Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 205 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So glad that you're here with me today. Today, we are talking to Katie Gardner, and she is a delight. We talk about planning for writers. We talk a little bit about planners. For those of you with a planner addiction, like we have, uh, we talk about how she wrote a book and then put it away and rewrote it. And I'm always fascinated by that process. I've actually done it once myself, and I always forget that. And she's just so great to talk to. We go on little writing-related tangents, and um, I loved her energy. So you will enjoy this show. Uh, what's going on around here? Well, um, I think I mentioned our dog is feeling better, so we're not leaving the country immediately. It's fantastic. You might even hear her snoring over that shoulder is the little dog and the bigger dog is behind me, um, possibly snoring and feeling better. So that's fantastic. We're still moving forward with going to New Zealand. It's just that we get to take our time and that's a nice feeling. What else? Oh, I finished my copy edits for Hush Little Baby and turned those in. So that book is off my desk entirely. I will probably have to look at proofs and... I really hate looking at proofs. I never see, and I, I am not a person who can see my own typos. So when they ask you to check the proofs, to make sure the proofreader caught the errors that the copy editor misses, and yes, the copy editor will miss things. And guess what? The proofer will also miss things. No book is perfect when it is printed, unfortunately. And uh, the author's job is usually to look at that again and check for errors and I never see them. So that will be the last time I touch it, but I <laughs> I swear to you, I honestly touch, I barely, barely look at it. I barely touch it. Um, just can't stand it. I am at the point of not being able to stand this book and that's great. That is where I, exactly where I should be when I send it out forever. I really won't see it again until it comes out in May, I believe. I, I think that is the month it comes out. So that will be fun. And in the meantime, I've been working a little bit on You're Already Ready and working quite a lot of bit on planning my NaNoWriMo novel, which is going to be super fun to write. I wrote quite a bit uh, last year in NaNoWriMo, but I actually didn't end up ever using those words anywhere. I kind of threw those out. So this year I would like to have NaNo be something that I can use and that I have really planned for. So that is fun. I wanted to tell you something else. Oh, if you're watching on the video, I have wet hair. And I just have to say that for the very first time, I crossed the bay in my car, drove through San Francisco out to aquatic park in the middle of the day and went swimming in the bay there. I have, I have been swimming a couple of times here in the East Bay over in Berkeley and I find it feels a little treacherous and scary to me because where I go, you can jump off the dock, but there's no way back up the dock unless you pay the $18 and swim with this swimming club on Sundays. And they're all very, very serious. Capital S, capital S for serious swimmers. And I am not a serious swimmer. I am a paddler who swims really hard for a while and then I get tired. And then I bob around like a little sea otter. And over at Aquatic Park, there are always people swimming. It is also 10 degrees colder than it is over here in the East Bay, but that's okay. I have a wetsuit, even though the people who swim there on a daily basis, the people who are members of the two 150-year-old swimming clubs there, uh, even though they mock the people with wetsuits, mm-mm. No, I put my feet in that and my hands in that and my head in that, and I thought, I am so glad my body is not feeling this cold. And I, for the very first time today, I really appreciated the wetsuit. Before I've always thought, is it really helping? Oh, it is helping. It is helping a lot. So I had a wonderful time doing that. And it was pushing a boundary for me to go swimming by myself over in San Francisco, where all of these excellent swimmers are swimming. And it was wonderful. I feel really good. And I um, am nice and toasty warm now. So I am headed into, Rachel says, right, because it is Thursday afternoon. It is 
so fun to write with these people. So if you have considered joining us for Rachel Says Write, you can always look at, oh, where is it? rachelheron.com slash Rachel Says Write, I believe is where I put it. And we write together for two hours and I haven't gotten any writing done yet today as has been happening lately on Thursdays, because I know that I have this solid two hour block to write with other people on Zoom. And for some reason, I always write so much more there than I do any other place or any other time. I just like writing with companionship. So I'm headed there now. And I will let you head right over into the interview with Katie. Please enjoy. I hope you're enjoying your own writing. Drop me a line somewhere, anywhere, and tell me how you are doing. And I wish you really, really excellent, happy writing. We'll talk soon. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir. Write your life story in 45 hours, which is, by the way, totally doable, and I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing, and of revision, and of story structure, and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Katie Gardner. Hello, Katie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I am thrilled to have you. We were introduced by the amazing Becca Syme, who everybody knows. Yeah. I'm Becca Nation all the way, right? I, I told her I was all in. I was like, I am all in on this. Are you a member of her Patreon, by the way? Uh-huh. Because yeah, yeah. that thing she sent out today was amazing amazing so good like I have to read some of that stuff a couple of times I know because so smart yeah and I I'm, and that stuff was like, so deep yes yeah. yeah like I only got to read it once and it was while I was sitting at the salon or at my hairdresser's house so I need to like sit down again and go through it because it just always I'm always like yes what why didn't I think of this is where I'm at most of the you know, time. Because we're busy not thinking of that and she is. No. But, but you know what? We're not here to talk about her today. We're ta- here to talk about you. So <laughs> let me give you a little bit of an introduction. Uh, Katie Gardner is a recovering actor, wife, and mom. She is a childhood cancer survivor and amputee who writes books about disability and kissing. And we had to hurriedly, I had to hurriedly hit um, record because you were like, I just want to write one about one-legged girls and kissing. That's it. That's, <laughs> That's it. All That's all I want to do. Uh, good. <laughs> Fabulous. Continuing, or- originally from Atlanta, she now lives and writes in Raleigh, North Carolina. She's the author of Brave Enough and Finding Balance, which is coming out soon. You can find her at Twitter at author Katie or at Instagram at author Katie Gardner. When is um, Finding Balance coming out? Tuesday. Oh my gosh. 20- yeah, September 29th. Oh, so by the yeah. time this is out, it will be out and people will be able yeah. to grab it. And you're cut. we were just talking about how you won the cover lottery with your publisher. They are gorgeous books. And I love mm-hmm. that. So talk to us a little bit about your writing process. Like how is it your mom? How do you get everything done? Um, I don't. That's <sighs> like, that's just, I was talking with some other, we, we call ourselves the overworked writing moms. And um, I was talking with them and like, and we, we use the, the Nora Roberts analogy with the glass bubbles and, or the, no, no. the glass balls. Um, I, oh yes. I've heard this. Can you say it again? If you can remember it. If, if I can remember it, like the, some, some balls you're, you're juggling all of the balls yes. and some are glass and if they drop will break and some are plastic and they won't break. And so it's figuring out which ones you can drop, which ones yeah. are plastic and which ones are glass. Um, it, uh-huh. it turns out that our children are glass all the time, always. <laughs> this is why I have so no children. You're dropping up the children. Um, and my, my kids are older now. Like when they were younger and demanded just, you know, constant supervision in the please don't eat that because you will die phase, it was harder. <laughs> um, they're older now. Now I spend a lot of my time going, no, you've spent enough time on the iPad. Let's find something else that's creative to do. Um, and now because we are where we're at in North Carolina we're virtual schooling this mm-hmm. year and so I find myself I like to say I'm the bell system so I'm constantly like okay now it's time for you to go to literacy and you need to go to math and those kind like I I'm the bell system and I'm IT so if the wi-fi goes oh. out I'm the one that has to fix it or if somebody can't get into their google meet or you know those types of things that's my job that sounds so um, 
difficult. Like, and, and I will just say that I, we live right by a high school and it's been really strange because it's been, you know, we haven't had high school in a long time, but the yeah. bell system, they never turned off. They've never turned it oh. off in April. So it's been going, it went all summer and it rings every 45 uh -huh. minutes or whatever. And then it rings the five and the 10. And I'm like, yeah. bells are very busy things. So you're constantly are, doing yeah. something. You're, I'm, I'm, I'm a busy person with the bell system. I did, my older daughter is in middle school. So like I can set her alarms on yeah. her various devices and it reminds her of what class she needs to go to. Yeah. My younger one is only in elementary school. So it, yeah. just, it just requires, a, are you actually in class? You know, like it, just a little more reminding. And I'm a, I'm a former educator. So, you know, it's one of those things, like I find my teacher voice coming back which I haven't used in 11 years. So I'm like, you know, that it's, it's a little weird because I'm using it on my children. Yeah. Um, and I taught middle school. So now that I have a middle schooler, like it's, it's all of those things. It's, it's fun. It's fine. Um, what I have learned also with my writing is that it has to be a priority. Like it can't be something that I say, okay, I'll get to this later. Mm -hmm. um, and so I find what I, what I found eventually, like when the when the pandemic first hit in April, I couldn't write anything. I just sat there and I would stare at screens and I would doom scroll like yeah, we do. Yeah. Lots of doom scrolling. And that was fine because I didn't, I didn't have any contracts. I didn't have any deadlines. Um, I was literally just writing stuff for me for the first time in a really long time, mm. which was really lovely. Um, and so I just didn't, I had finished a, um, a manuscript, a draft, a really rough, terrible, terrible, terrible draft in January. Um, and so I just was like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let that sit. I'm just going to think on it. I'm just going to let it do its thing. That sounds healthy. And, uh, yeah. And then, so I just, I did. And um, in, I guess May, I was like, you know what? You know that ma manuscript, not the one you just finished, but that one you shelved like a year ago, go get that and rewrite it from scratch. And that's what I did. Um, so I rewrote that one <laughs> from scratch and I kept thinking, okay, I think it's going to top out at 50,000 words, which is really short for, you know, a YA novel. And then I was like, mm, no, it ended up, it's like at 82,000 right now with, and that's with a round of revisions. And I was like, I was supposed to cut words, not add. <laughs> um, and that's pretty long but for a YA, right? It, it, well, especially because I write contemporary. Yeah. Like they want contemporaries between 60, 80 if you're like, you know, Sarah Dessen yeah. or Angie Thomas. Like they can, yeah. they can get away with longer novels. Um, I just can't right now. So it, it'll, I, I know of some things that I'm already going to cut. It's with my critique partners right now. So I'm going to just, I'm trying not to touch it, um, which is really hard to do because I know the things. You know, like once you know some of the things you're going to fix. You feel you it in your go, gut. Yeah. 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 But for right now, I'm really trying to leave it alone. Um, one of the things though that I leaned into a lot when I was writing that was my activator strength. That's my number two strength. Oh, that's a good one. That's my number 10. It's my yeah. number two. Um, no, it's my number one. Activator's number one. Number two is woo. That's it. Um. And so number, number one is activator. I leaned into that really hardcore in that I got up before everybody else in my house and I wrote, like, I didn't do anything else. I made coffee because you can't function without that. <laughs> um, so I got up, I made myself a cup of coffee and I wrote, and I would usually get about an hour, an hour and a half before anybody else got up. And I found that that was enough time. Like I didn't need any more time from the day to get the words that I needed. And I also, um, I discovered, so Brave Enough was a NaNoWriMo novel. Yay. I wrote that. Yeah, which is coming up. So I'm big, big on those. Do that. Do NaNoWriMo. Really um, I, but I didn't like prep for it at all. I didn't know that I was a plotter when I was writing Brave Enough, which is why it took me four and a half years to write it. That mm. and I had a baby mm -hmm. and moved. So those <laughs> life small things, small things, you know, the two most stressful things you can put in yourself on yourself. Exactly. Um, so it, it, it took me a really long time to just finish the initial draft of brave enough. Um, 
but I, it's because I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> like, there are some parts that I cut out of that novel that like belong somewhere else. <laughs> not um, in that book. Not in that book. The original draft, I think, was like over 100,000 words. And the printed version is like 65. Um, so yeah. Wow. There's, yeah. Um, but what I learned when I wrote Finding Balance is that I'm a, I am a plotter. Like I need, not only am I a plotter, I need to know what I'm going to sit down and write each day before I sit down. Mm. Like, so I take my day planner. Um, I am a planner person. I, I am love a planner a good, person too. Ah, oh, love. I, um, Franken planned and Aaron Condren. So I took several Aaron pieces from different Ooh. Aaron Condrens and then rebound them so that it's like exactly what I want. Um, I've and been so deeply I did, into the iPad planners lately. I been, just. It's mind blowing. We need to talk about this off, like off the <laughs> podcast because I got a new iPad and the iPad pencil for my birthday. And so I've been like looking at these like digital planners and I'm okay. trying to figure out Let's how to talk make it about work. it on air because people love this too. This is a pro- okay. podcast about program. And I will just tell you that I, I did so much research. I use the good notes app. Okay. I just got three, that. I think. Perfect. And then you go to Etsy and it, the one, and you can look at all the digital planners that work for good notes, but most of them, most of them work for good notes, but I love the Emma studies. Okay. Emma studies on Etsy. She does the best, like, you know, I'll just, I'll just like, oh, you can't really see my screen, but um, it's it's weird on the screen, but like I keep my, my gratitude list, my completed list, tons of different, um, planning things, lots of things to color in and you can pull stuff from anywhere on the internet. I, I'm obsessed. I'm like, I've been using this for maybe a month and a half. And this particular okay. Joe now has like 75 pages in it just because I'm constantly writing on it. Oh, okay. pro tip, get a matte screen protector for okay. iPad itself because then it makes the pencil feel a little bit more realistic and you're not I just going on glass. Okay. That's because that is some, my, and my other problem is, is my handwriting is terrible. So like, Good notes will be able to read it. Being able to instantly search your notes. Like I, I, yeah. I was doing something with Becca the other day and I was looking for the word impulsivity and I just been scratching notes and I just searched impulsivity and it went to it. It could read. <gasps> oh, that's game changer right there. I, yeah. Okay. I'm going to do that. Because okay. So going I, back though to your plan. Yeah. So I would write down every, like I would, so on Sunday afternoons I would take out, okay, so this is what I wrote this week. And this is what I want to write next week. Mm. And I would write down each day, like, okay, you're going to write this scene. So I'm working on it. I was working on a heist novel. So like, okay, this day she's going to steal the brooch. And you actually day, know what's coming up on the days that you're writing. On huh? the day that I'm writing it. Um, and that helped me because then I wasn't going to sit there because I was getting up so early. I wasn't going to uh. sit there in the dark and go, okay, where does, what's, where do I start? Like I knew exactly where I was going to start. Sometimes I would leave myself like parenthesis in the, in the document itself that would be like, okay, this is what you need to start here. Yeah. But I found that if I wrote it down, even a week before it helped sometimes because I do believe that, you know, like you, you discover these th- things as you're writing and that you don't want to ever ignore that. So some days I would get off, but it'd be like, okay, so I'm at this point now, but I still need to get to this point over here here's the way I was doing it originally. Can I still make this work? And that kind of thing. So still having those notes was really helpful for me. I have such a happy, healthy jealousy of that. I would love to be a plotter. <laughs> I always want to be a plotter. I want to be a plotter so bad. I thought for a really long time that it would ruin it for me. That like, I would like, oh, well, you know the ending, but but I write romances essentially. Like, yeah, So we I always mean, know the ending. <laughs> I mean, they're going to end up together and they're, and I'm, the kind of writer I am like I write about teens with disability and chronic illness but the rule is nobody dies Mm, so like god yeah so like I know I know two things already going into this like there's gonna be a happy ending and nobody's gonna die so like those things are already solved for me yeah it's it's fine if I you know plot it out because originally I when I first started writing years and years and years ago, like when I was writing fanfic, I would be like, oh, I don't want to know the ending because then I won't be interested anymore. And really what I was losing interest in was either the fandom itself or the story. Like I had Mm. written myself into a hole of some sort and I was just bored with what was happening. I either pushed, 
I am notorious for putting my two love love interests together too quickly yeah. because I want to write all of the sweet kissy things. Like that's what I want to do. I just want to write like makeout scenes all day long. <laughs> and um, I did uh, an Instagram live with a reader of mine this week. And she was like, will you just write a book with all of these like kissing scenes that you want to write and just put them like, and I was like, that is an anthology waiting to happen. A, va- um, a Valentine's day anthology. Yeah. It's just right there. <sighs> All the first kisses right there. Um, so I, I'm notorious for that. So I have to go back and watch my pacing. And so whenever I was a, a, a baby writer, and I say that because I was like 14, 15, um, writing my general hospital fan fiction. I love um, that. Oh, I loved it so much. It was the <laughs> be- And I tell everybody, I, one of the biggest advice I give for writers is like, if you have a fandom that you are even moderately passionate about, go write fanfic. I was like, you're going to get instant notes. So it's instant gratification from the internet at large. And you're playing in somebody else's sandbox. So you're not having to worry necessarily about character development. You're just learning how to write a story, the arc of it and how it goes. That's what I tell all, I, I used to, I was a teacher. And so whenever I would teach writing, that was one of the things I would do is I would have my kids, like we would read a book, or they would read a book and I was like, if you don't want to take the one that we've just read in class for our novel study, take one that you're really passionate about, but now you're going to write some original fiction doing some fanfic. They must have loved that. Um, I mean, you it's know, writing. I was still a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of them were really into it and some yeah. of them not so much. <laughs> and I was the theater teacher too. So like they were, you know, like in, uh, they liked me for the most part, as long as I wasn't teaching creative writing. <laughs> But otherwise you were the artsy one, the one, and they were the artsy kids. Oh, so what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Um, Well, I rush, I'm terrible at pacing. I have to really slow down my pacing. Is that something Um, you fix in revision or while you're going along? I try to fix it while I'm going along um, because otherwise you end up having to put so much more in the story. Like if you've rushed it and then you've, like it can throw off your whole timeline. Yeah. Because like I said, I, I tend to write, I want to write romances. Like that's what I want to write, but it always ends up that my stories have a lot of extra layers to them. Um, and so I have to be careful because if I rush that romance, it's going to push those other layers and make a big ripple. And then it's just a lot right. to fix. And we don't want that happily ever after until the end. Yeah, that's really right. Have, yeah. It has to, it ha- you have to work for it. There has <laughs> to be some payoff. Um, I, I maintain that writing contemporary romance of any kind is the hardest writing to do. I write in five genres and it is so impossible because you're keeping two very good people who deserve to be together apart for real organic conflicting reasons. And it's so hard. It took me probably two years to come up with, um, I I always knew I wanted to write Jason Mari or my lead characters in Finding Balance. And I always knew that I wanted to write their story, but I had a really hard time. So I write this, particular series is told in dual point of views. Love it. Um, I had a very hard time coming up with Jace's storyline because I was making him, he didn't go anywhere. He was just always a nice guy. He had nowhere to go. No character. And yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, he's going to have to cut, he's going to have to be mean. Like he's going to like to and grow. So hard and to I write. I didn't want him to be mean. Like I love Jace because he was in, he, so that I did is I wrote out of sequence. Brave Enough is actually a sequel to Finding Balance, not the other way around. Oh, how Finding interesting. Ba- yeah, Finding Balance takes place about six months beforehand. Um, but because the, the two stories are completely separate right. outside of over- overlapping characters. Um, so you don't have to read either of them in order. But You're, in the future, know, when both are out, will people mostly read Finding Balance first and then Brave Enough? I guess you don't have to do it. Like, I guess they could, yeah. like ideally that would be the way they would do it. So um, I just, I didn't mean to write it that way. It's just the way it happened. Um, but I always knew I was going to, so like knowing that and knowing how much I liked who he ended up as, it was really hard to go back and be like, now I have to make you a jerk and you have to do jerky things. But also like one of the things that I tried that I, have tried to do really hard in finding balance is to there's this kind of um especially in pop culture and in media that 
cancer kids are saints, like mm. that we are wise beyond our years and we're here to teach all of these things. And I, one of the things I really, I wanted to kind of play against that idea. And so like, I had to kind of make him a jerk and he had to grow from it, but he's, you know, he's still a teenager and teenagers are jerks sometimes. And we, yeah. you know, they make bad decisions. So, um, that, that was really hard for me. It, it took, like, I found an early draft of it this week and I was like, oh, he was so nice throughout this whole thing. Huh. But That's not. awesome. That's awesome. What a good yeah. answer. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Writing the end. There is oh, nothing yes. like that feeling. Yes. Like when you have, especially like if it's been, um, like if something, I have a hard time with third acts. Third acts are really hard for me. So slogging that I can write the first two acts in what feels like two weeks. That's so funny. So gonna, many people have a bigger problem with that middle portion. I have a really hard time with third acts, usually because yeah. I'm tying all of those loose ends up. Yeah. And it could, I am coming off of writing a heist novel where there's a lot of pieces that have to come together. Um, I don't know if this heist novel will ever be published. I'm just going to put it's that so out It's so fun. I have a goal of writing a heist novel at some point. It's just it was, sounds so it was, fun. It was super fun, but there's just a lot that you have to tie up at the end. And so writing that the end at the end of that, oh, that feels real good. <laughs> and it just takes so long to get there. Like you have to really work to get to that, you know, and what, you know, some days it's 500 words that you're writing. And some days are, you know, for me on a really good day, I think the most I've ever written was like 4,000 in one day. Mm-hmm. And that's because I'm parenting. Yes. Um, yes. I, I have, I have other friends that can churn out 10,000. I don't churn understand out, like, those people. <laughs> I don't either. They, they can do it. I'm always like, how do you, how does your, like my brain turns kind of mushy. After Mine does about, too. Where is your intellection? Um, I forget where I would have to look okay. on my list. Yeah, I forget. Some of us have to point. think real hard. We can't just yeah. you know, throw down ten thousand words. The the, uh-uh. the reservoir will be empty. Do you do the same thing that I do, which is I kind of like I kind of wind up into typing the end. I'm uh-huh. like, here it comes, here come my uh-huh. fingers. T H E. But and I take pictures of it, and I'm like, and I post it on all of my social media. I'm like, I don't know whatever is going to happen to this, but look what I did. I did it again. Like, it's the fact that I, I did it again. Like, it's not, you know? Like there's It's one of those joy- things, it doesn't go away. Like, other yeah. things in writing you kind of get used to, in publishing you kind of get yeah. used to, but writing the end, I don't think you ever get used to. Oh, it's so, so good. good. That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> so joyful. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Um, so I was thinking about this, and I, I um, think that there, you never waste writing. Um, so like, even if it's something that, you know, you're going to cut later or, you know, that maybe isn't pushing because in YA, we are always working to push the story forward. There's not, there's just not a lot of room for, you know, moments that aren't moving the story forward. Like one of the scenes I know I'm going to have to probably cut for my highest novel is a makeout scene in a pantry. It just doesn't move the story forward. I will save it and put it somewhere else. But there is never any wasted writing. Like it either helps you with your feeling your character or finding the setting. There's never any wasted writing. You have and to the write other, it to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking about is it's okay to not write. Like um, currently since my CPs have that heist novel and are looking through it, I've been playing with that manuscript that I wrote in January a little bit, um, which I think is going to be another complete completely new write like just same themes but a completely different novel than what I wrote um and it's okay to just let it sit there and kind of rumble in your head and to think a lot about it um before you ever write anything down Uh, I remember um years ago I read Meg Cabot's blog and she talked about how she knew almost the entire story before she ever wrote anything down Mm. and I'm just think she would just think so often on it. And I was like, Oh, that's brilliant. And, um, one of the things that I tried to do early in the quarantine was break some of my phone addiction and some of my doom scrolling that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so to do that, I, at night and, and in the mornings, whenever I'd be like getting up and I wasn't writing, if I was just getting up, I, instead of going right to my phone, which I try not to do anyway, I would think about, what story I was working on. Like what, 
with the current thing that I'm thinking about a lot for this, this story that I'm going to rewrite is when was her first heartbreak and what was it? Mm. Uh, I mean, she's, she's, she's 16. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of years, but heartbreak can be more than a romantic heartbreak. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I think right now it's that when her, her new stepdad takes his daughter to the daddy daughter dance and doesn't take her like that was the oh, first really time good. that her heart broke. <gasps> um, that's really good. And so just like thinking and, and it may never come into that story, but knowing that about her tells me a lot of things. So let me back up for a moment. Cause I know that people will be interested in this. This is something that scares people a lot. I have done it once and I couldn't even tell you how I did it. Um, but taking a book that you've written and then completely rewriting it. What does that look like? How much are you referring back to the book or is it just all in your head? And now you are reframing new words on the page. How does that, what does that so, do? For, for me, so like for the heist novel, it had a completely different plot. Wow. Than what, yeah. <laughs> than what it ended up with. And I think and the and a heist is, is very plot heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I think it was one of those things where I, I was trying to talk about how a team had formed without ever forming the team. So like, I, I, I and I guess it's the same thing I did with Brave Enough and Finding Balance. I was writing a sequel before I wrote the first book. Oh yeah. And so I needed to go back and I mean, and I shelved it. I was like, you know what? This book is just going to be put away for right now. This is not the book I meant to tell right now. And that's fine. Um, but I loved the idea. It's a, I'm spilling all of the secrets. It's a debutante heist novel. And I loved the money. Yeah. I just loved the idea of debutantes stealing things and they're all like there's there's always a disability component so like my lead character has a rotation plasty which is a really interesting amputation um and sometimes called a partial amputation they i'm going to try to explain it as best i can without visuals google it first it's rotation plasty but what they do is they remove the part of the bone that is infected which is the knee and then they turn the foot around and shorten it and connect it to the femur. So the foot now acts as your knee. So you have a foot, it's on backwards and it's your knee. It's amazing. Humans are amazing. And the doctors who thought of this are amazing. And so um, I've had, I've, I've worked with, with um, teenagers that have this. And I was like, these girls need to see somebody that looked like them in a book. Yes. and so I just really loved the idea of a teenage debutante with a disability stealing and just walking out, like pocking it in her prosthesis and walking out. <laughs> and so I, I wanted that so much. I, I was the book that I had been writing. I had like, I mean, I had a finished draft, um, but it, I was forming the team the team or the team was already formed and there were, the stakes were, were high. It just never found the footing that I wanted it to have. And so I kept thinking on it and I went back to several of my favorite craft books. Um, Story genius infuriates me, but it helps me a lot. I feel exactly the same way. (laughs) I went back to story genius and I did a lot of that pre-writing stuff. Yeah. And that's, and, and it was super helpful. Um, because what I could never figure out, so my, the lead character in this novel, her name is Lila Beth because she's Southern. Um, I could never figure out why Lila Beth started stealing to begin with. And, and it helped me figure that out, out a lot. Um, and so that, you know, I sat down and rewrote the entire novel and, and I love it so much more than what I had written before. Um, and are you and referring so, to anything? Are you referring to notes from that other book? You ever look at that no. other book, or is it just away? It's mostly a, it's most, it's away. Like, and it maybe it could be a sequ- It could maybe be a sequel. Yeah. Someday, because the team is together in that novel. Yeah. Um, but I think if I, I really like, I like companion novels more than I like direct sequels. Um, so if I did tell another story in that world, it would probably be one of the other girls' stories. Um, That's so cool. Which I, yeah. So, I mean, it would all, it would involve a rewrite as well, but I could take more of that and rewrite it. 
Um, and as I did, you say, I, nothing is wasted. And I, and I went into it thinking, well, I may not be able to use that this time, but that doesn't mean I can't use it later. So with the, um, the novel that I'm thinking on right now, like I, I, I wrote the first kiss today because it came to me and I was like, I'm going to write this down while I'm sitting here for 15 minutes and not wasting time, but wasting time. Yeah. Um, this one is, I have a theme more than I have anything else. Like I know the theme of the novel, which is really unusual for me. And I think for, I don't know, maybe other writers too. I don't typically have a theme that I want to get across, but this one, I have a, a, a pretty hard theme that I want to get across. Um, and I had written something and I just, I, I never really could, the stakes never felt high enough. It never felt serious enough. And then I realized that it, the stakes for this particular character are more internal. There doesn't have to be a lot of external stakes mm. in this particular one. And so um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out story genius at some point. And I'm going to do a lot of that pre-writing because I feel like it really helps me figure out what all of the stakes are. Yeah. Um, I need to revisit that. That's, it is, it is a really good book. What, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising my, way? In a surprising way. Um, thing in my life. Well, I mean, my kids do, but that's not a really surprising way. <laughs> oh, I, I think um, this is, this is for anybody that menstruates my hormonal cycle affects my writing. Amen. And it's, um, it was surprising when I put all of the pieces together and I was like, I am so much more creative when I'm ovulating than I am when I had, and I am, I am dead. Like I am barren. I can't do anything the week before I get my period. As soon as I start my period, I'm better. But like that week before I don't sleep. Yeah. I just, I, ha my attention span is really gone. Um, and it's, it, it, that was really surprising to me. Like I, I just never said that. I think that a lot yeah. of women don't think that through. And I don't know if I've ever really thought that through in terms of creativity. I've thought of it. I've thought it through in many other ways, but it ring, really rings true with me too. Yeah. Wow. So, um, it's, I, I am, uh, and, and then part of it is just general energy levels. Um, since I'm disabled, my spoons are different than, uh, mm. you know, somebody who's abled. And, um, I just have to really respect when my body and my brain are like, you can't do this today. Otherwise I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to feel bad about myself mm -hmm. for not being productive. And that's something I, um, I think in, in the quarantine and in life that we're starting to realize that the notion of constant productivity is mm. unhealthy. It's toxic. And I am 100% like married to it and I'm always yeah. trying to break that marriage. Yeah. And so I, it, and a lot of my internalized ableism that I, that I carry and I try to work on is that it is okay to, to a ask for help when I need it. Um, and to be not be constantly proving that I am not disabled. I am disabled and that's fine just like somebody else has brown hair, it's a, you know, it's part of who I am and it, it totally affects what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And I have to just, I have to be the one that says, this is where my, today my spoons are really low. Mm -hmm. Today I have, I can only keep those glass balls in the air. My plastic ones are all in a corner and they are going to sit there for the next week. I really um, appreciated when I, cause I, I'm battling, I don't have a migraine, but I know it's coming. And I mm -hmm. emailed you earlier and said, there's a, there's a 20% chance I will have to cancel. And you were super, super cool about saying, I understand if we have to cancel, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I did a, another podcast earlier and, um, the, the creator of that one is, um, chronically ill. And she's like, I just can't do it today. And I was like, I get it. Low spoons are just there's just no use in spinning our wheels that way when we're not going to create something that makes us feel good in the end. For those people who might be listening who have never heard the spoon theory, can you just briefly explain it? Because I think I, it's brilliant. I can try to. Um, it's used in the chronically ill setting mostly. Um, and the idea is that every person has a certain amount of spoons. And, when they wake up. Uh, when they wake up in the morning, yeah. yeah. And so those of us who are either chronically ill or disabled, 
just have less, fewer, fewer spoons. We're allowed to say both now, according to Merriam-Webster last week. It's, yes, but not according I'm, to my husband, who or corrects me. it right. constantly when I do it. And I, like, I'm sorry, I'm a writer. I don't know. I don't, words. I, I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I don't understand them. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so those of us who have fewer, who, who just don't have the same amount of spoons, we just don't wake up with that many. And so our spoons get depleted. We, we use more of them and they need to be washed a lot quicker than people who do not have chronic illness or a disability. Um, I hear it mostly in the chronic illness community. Yeah. And I also, I have a, I have a heart condition. I have cardiomyopathy um, as a result of the chemo I had 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So yay, chemo, the gift that keeps on giving. Mm. Um, and so some, I have to just, that's what the spoon theory is. I've also heard a good analogy of like a battery, yeah. um, like a cell phone battery. And I'm like, so I am the cell phone that just got the iOS update. And now my battery drains a lot quicker. Um, yeah. And the spoons it. actually refer in that same, uh, I like the battery maybe a little bit better because the spoons are like, we use them as a spending term. Like you have to spend mm-hmm. a spoon to take a shower and you, you might have mm-hmm. to spend a spoon to make breakfast and wash the dishes. So yeah. the battery or intuitive sense like that. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. I can't no worries. I kicked my camera. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we just, we run out of, we run out of energy. We run out of spoons faster. Um, and that, it, on the one hand, like the pandemic is terrible and I miss going out. I'm an extrovert. I miss seeing people. I miss being out in public. I miss writing in a Starbucks more oh, than almost anything. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, and so, um, but on the other hand, like I can, I've been able to do so many like virtual events and yeah. like, I haven't, like if I travel and it's traveling for me is complicated because I can't carry a suitcase. And so I have to figure out, okay, do I take my laptop or do I take all of my makeup? Like what, what's more? Cause it's right. the weight. Cause I have right. to carry it all on my back. Um, and there's just a lot, like I, Yes, I can check my luggage, but I still have to get it off of the luggage. Yeah. And, you know, there's just a lot of complications. And so, like, if I'm traveling, which I love to do, but it just, it takes so much more logistics for me than it does somebody else. Um, so, when I went to ALA in 2018, my husband came with me just because I was like, I can't figure out how I'm going to navigate New Orleans on my own mm-hmm. at this massive convention center. And, um, thankfully we are, we're in a place that he could do that. Um, and so, you know, I, but I get that other writers are not. So I, I appreciate that now we have all of these virtual, like this is not new anymore and that there's all this virtual stuff that people can do. And they understand how to do it now too. Yes. It's great. So hopefully more disabled and chronically ill writers can do these things. I love that so much. I hadn't thought of it in those terms, and I absolutely love that. So you're launching this week. Um, this yes. is not on the list of questions, but do you like being with your publisher, Flux? I was just looking. At I do. And they they look yeah. they look awesome. They've been. I mean, my editor Mari is first rate. Uh, Mari Casperling. And Mikkel George um, did Brave Enough and um, also is a writer and has some amazing books out. So Speakeasy, Speak Love by Mikkel George is a fabulous book. What a great title. Um, yeah. It's a, um, oh, it's a, ret- it's a Shakespeare retelling, As You Like It. It's an, I think. Ooh. But it's, it's great. And it's set in the 20s. It's awesome. Right? Yes. Yeah. And this is um, Speakeasy. <laughs> yes. And so, um, but I've been really happy. They, they really supported me. They gave me great covers. They gave you great uh, covers and they are a small independent press. So they, you don't have to be agented to submit. You to do that. not. You do I not. Noticed that. I, yeah. I, I, I was agented. Um, I'm currently not. I'm going to go back into the query trenches um, with this heist novel. But um, I, my agent did sell those two, both of those books for me. And I was, he, they were great to work with, but yeah. they are, they, I have several friends who have, who have, um, sub to them as an independent publisher and um, and they they give you an advance and all of the things that a good publisher should do good um, I'm so glad yeah. you hear that yeah they've been great um, no I the um, Emily who is the publicity person is wonderful and super on top of things she set up a great little Instagram blog tour for me for this book 
Um, and I love, I love publicists at independent publishers. They, they are so passionate. She is a workhorse too, man. Like she, I don't like, I just don't know how they, she does it. Like, I just don't like, she is constantly working. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure she has a work-life balance, but um, <laughs> maybe she, she answers, some of us don't. <laughs> I mean, she answers all of my questions really quickly. And, um, I needed, because I can't travel, um, I have a pre-order campaign going through two bookstores, one um, Quail Ridge Books in Raleigh and then Brave and Kind Bookshop out of Decatur, Georgia. Um, but I can't get to Georgia to sign the copies like I would have if um, if we did not have a pandemic. And right. so Emily was on top of it. She got me book plates so that I can sign those and send them to Bunny at Brave and Kind. And then um, with my little pre-order gifts, the people who have pre-ordered Perfect. from there. Yeah, I mean, she, they were just... And, I was like, I don't have to print out the book plates. That's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Speaking of other people's books and publishers, what is the best book that you've read recently? Uh, this is an, this is a, another, this is an older, it's not an older title. I think it came out like maybe last year, two years ago. Um, it was Sick Kids in Love by Hannah Moskowitz. I saw it. I never it was, read it. It's good. Oh, it's so good. Like, <laughs> it was one of those books. I just kind of smiled through it. Like jumping onto my to be read pile. It's so good. It was so, so, so sweet. And like it, it had, it features characters, obviously the title gives it away that are chronically ill. And the way that she talks about it without being preachy is just mwah. like, <laughs> it's just so good. And it's obvious that Hannah gets it. The author, Hannah Musk. Yeah. I call her by her first name. Like we're BFFs. <laughs> we are not. Um, yeah, but it's just, it's, <laughs> Yet, I'm putting it out there. It's like she just gets it. And she um, she talks in it, the, the main character, Ibby, um, has rheumatoid arthritis. And so things like walking are painful. And she talks, she counts her steps. Like, okay, it's going to be this many steps to the staircase. And then I'm going to go this many steps up the stairs. And, and she lives in New York, New York. So there's all this walking that happens. And she talks and I'm like, that's exactly how I think. Like, that's it. And it's just, it was so good the way that she just got that. And, and the boy in the book is named Sasha, and I love him. Um, and he has a genetic disease that's very different from what Ibby has. And so it's, there's a lot of this talk of um, being disabled, but not as disabled. And it's something I really resonated with because, like, I use crutches, but I'm not a wheelchair user. So I'm not, you know, like when you're younger, well, I'm not that disabled, but it's, it's they're all mobility aids or um, in the amputee community, I see it a lot with where using a prosthesis versus not. And I'm like, using a prosthesis does not make you able. Right. It, you're still disabled. It's, it's a choice and no choice is better or worse. And so I just loved the way that she talked about those things within it. It was so good. It's so, it's so, so awesome to look at your face. If anybody's watching on YouTube, most people listen to the show, but some people will watch on YouTube and you just like lit up like a star when you said the <laughs> book. <laughs> so that's amazing. Speaking of lighting up like a star and talking about like books, will you please tell us about finding balance and where we can find it and you out there, but give us you a little, find, it's like gorgeous. Finding balance. My <laughs> beautiful, beautiful cover. You can find Finding Balance anywhere at Barnes and Noble, your local independent bookshop, um, bookshop.org, IndieBound. Or if you want to order from my two favorite bookshops, it's Quail Ridge Books in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Brave and Kind Bookshop out of um, Atlanta, Georgia. They both ship. So um, feel free. Or uh, page 158 out of one out of Wake Forest, North Carolina. Um, we're really lucky here that we have a lot of great independent bookstores. Yeah, that um, sounds amazing. We have Flyleaf in Chapel Hill. We have Regulator in Durham. Like we have all of these great. So there's some plugs from some great independent bookstores. I love that. Um, but Finding Balance, um, I, I don't know that I can ever sum it, sum it up um, succinctly, which is why I had to write a whole novel for it. <laughs> it's, um, it's about two teenagers, uh, Jace Ellison and Mari Manos. And Jace and Mari met at cancer camp. They met at a camp called Camp Chemo. Um, which is fictionalized, but it's a fictionalized version of Camp Sunshine out of Georgia, yeah. in Atlanta, Georgia, which I spent many, many, many years as a camper and a counselor at, um, and still go um, as a volunteer. 
but um so Jason Mari met at um Camp Chemo and they have what I call a flirtation ship. Like they flirt with each other all the time. And but they only really ever see each other at camp. And so it comes as quite a shock when Mari walks or crutches into Jace's AP chemistry class at his very elite private school Love it. in Atlanta. Um, and he looks at her and says, I don't know you. Um, and she's like, uh, yeah, I told you, he's not nice in the beginning. <laughs> Gotta have a growth. Perfect. Growth. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it co- comes to find out that, um, Jace's school knows that he has leukemia as a preschooler and he um is his biggest fear is that coming out is somebody finding out that he had leukemia and Mari lives life as a one-legged girl she walks around on crutches and um doesn't know of a she's never had the luxury of not telling people um you know the Aaron I think it's Aaron Bowman who talks about minding your own story your own life for your stories and I I mind my life for finding Mm -hmm. balance um in that I never I always felt like I had to explain to people why I had one leg um and I was never gonna lie to them and be like oh it was a car accident whenever I had cancer like it just didn't make sense to Mm me um and then I found out that my best friend who we had been on treatment together had never told anybody that she had had leukemia. And I was like, wait, that's an option? <laughs> it would never have your mind. Wait, yeah. you get to do that? And so that's what the book is about. It's about these two characters and Jace dealing with, you know, Mari is all of a sudden at his school and in his, in, you know, in this circle with all of these people that he knows. And, um, and there's still an attraction there. And how are they going to deal with that? Um, that's awesome. I love that word flirtationship too. That's flirtationship. It's, yeah. it's my favorite word. It's good. Like if I read from the book, I read where that's in there. Cause it's my favorite one. <laughs> um, I felt so smart that day. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and so that's, that's what the book is about. Like, and it's also, I mean, it's got, Mari has a really awesome family that's super supportive. She has three older brothers and, um, they are all fun in their own way. She's got, you know, two that are extreme extroverts. And then there's one that's an introvert that happens to be dating her speech and debate teacher. Um, no, nope, that's wrong. He is not. The introverted one is not debating, dating. He, she, he, he is dating who ends up being Mari's AP chem tutor. Um, I cried throughout chemistry. Like I cried through that class. So Mari struggles with AP chemistry and an homage to me going, I just don't understand. Um, it's not, not my life, I promise, because I never had a Jace Ellison in my life. Um, but we do mine our lives but, for these kind of but things. But we do, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So, Thank yeah. you so, so, so much, Katie. It has been such a joy oh, it's to talk fun. to you. I'm so glad that my head cooperated because I was like, no, I yeah. want to it today. It was super fun. Thanks so much for having me. You're so welcome. And I, we will talk soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.